Thank you for listening to Christian Family Church Podcast. Here at CFC, our mission is to live and communicate the power of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ to the world around us. From wherever you're listening, we hope you'll be encouraged by this week's message. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Just singing as we're worshipping, just how, how joyful it is to be together as the church. Uh, I don't know about you, but uh, I'm so aware that, yeah, even this morning I had a phone call from someone saying, you know, we can't get through. We're trying to come to church and we can't find a road to get through. And, uh, you know, there's people, and I, today if you're watching at home now, guys, uh, you know, it's, it's such a privilege to be able to come together as God's people, uh, to know that we have a Saviour who loves us. And as Beck shared about through COVID times, like, we, we can forget about those things. Does anyone sort of feel like that's surreal? Like, that was a dream? Oh, Lord, let it be. It never had to come again. Uh, it's so good to be together. And uh, how about you turn to the person beside you and, and just look them in the eye and say, good to see you. And uh, if, you, if you need to pray as you do that, to say, God help me to say that and mean it. Uh, <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Well, this morning, uh, before we open God's Word together, we're going to play a little game. Anyone like playing games? Yeah, this, this is a really simple game. It's a really simple game. So just make sure you listen and understand, though, because just to, so no one gets confused. Uh, it's a little yes or no game. And it, it's really confusing, so just pay attention. If, if you want to say yes, you raise your hand. And if you want to say no, you just leave your hand down. Does everyone understand? Yeah. About seven. Oh, they're, 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 oh, fantastic. I, I actually thought I'd probably have to say that again. You've done well. And everyone at home, you can type in yes if you're yes. Anyway, so we're going to play we get a little game, yes or no. And uh, we're going to start off nice and simple. Uh, who likes chocolate? Fantastic. That's, that's all right. If you don't like chocolate, that's fine. You're probably healthier than the rest of us. Who likes hot chips? Oh, I love some hot chips on a Sunday afternoon. It just goes down so well, it seems. Um, who likes summer? Okay, it's interesting. Have a look. Uh, who likes winter? You know, there's, there's moments I'm like, oh, do I like winter? I don't know. There's moments like... I'm going to say this, and Rochelle's going to be like digging me in the ribs later tonight saying we should get our fireplace. But you know those moments when you sit up beside a fireplace? <laughs> She's been trying for a while here. And, uh, and you just curl up and the rain's pouring down. It's beautiful, isn't it? Or it can even be like two days ago. You hear the rain coming down. Anyway. Who, who likes autumn? All the leaves blowing around, filling the garden, filling the drains, you know. <laughs> okay, now we're going to get a little bit more serious now, okay? So, oh, did I say Spring? Oh, who likes spring? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Come on. Yeah. Now, we're going to get a little bit more serious now, so just sort of prepare yourself for the, the vulnerable questions. Who likes broccoli? I sometimes crave broccoli. Like, it's just like, I just want some broccoli, just fried in a little bit of butter. Like, oh, it just goes down well. Who likes exercise? Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Now here we go. Who likes sleep? I'm going to raise my hand. I used to hate sleep. I thought it was the most ridiculous waste of time. I wanted to do stuff. But I've, I've been converted. I love sleep. 
Now, for those who had their hand up really high, if you were sitting beside them, just have a look every now and again beside you this morning and give them a dig in the ribs if they start sleeping this morning. But What about who loves serving? Not, not surfing, serving with a V. Who loves serving? Fantastic. Okay, let's write down those names, Beck. Um, <laughs> Darcy, can you just get a, get a, hands up again? No, sorry, it's okay. And and seeing some of you thought I said surfing, who loves surfing? Um, You know, I've been told that Jesus walked on water and we should should follow him. So I think surfing is as close as you can get to following Jesus and walking on water as far as I've seen. So I think it's biblical. We should all learn to surf. Um, I need some practice, but anyway. It's so true that sometimes we love the things that are good for us and sometimes we have to learn to do the things or just, just force ourselves to do the things that are good for us. Sometimes exercise is fun, sometimes it's just hard work. Sometimes eating healthy is easy and we crave the good stuff and other times we crave the bad stuff. Has anyone noticed they seem to crave the bad stuff more than the good stuff? I don't know, maybe I'm just confessing here. Lately, it's been cheese, but anyway. <laughs> um, you know, I, actually, it's almost 10 years ago now. I, I had my accident on the bike and broke my back, and I was in a lot of pain, but I'll never forget how difficult breathing was. And I remember the first thing when I went to the hospital, the first thing they checked for was whether I had a punctured lung. They thought I may have uh, punctured my lung in the crash, and that was the first thing they wanted to eliminate. And it was such an effort to get every breath. And if you've ever had some, some thing happen in your life where breathing is hard, it's a horrible, horrible thing. It turned out I didn't have a punctured lung. I had broken ribs and broken sternum and things. But every breath was agony. And, uh, you know, one of the cruelest things I've ever learned is that it's a, a common occurrence that when you injure your back, you get the hiccups. <laughs> And my family will testify that I had a ridiculous amount of hiccups over that three months of lying on the couch with a broken back. And it was agony. And every breath, it was like, hiccup, ah, hiccup, ah. <laughs> it's like, oh, the pain. I can feel it now. And all of you, the people are laughing. Oh, you're, you're. <laughs> I am too. <laughs> it might sound funny, but it was absolute agony. But, it, but every breath was still good for me. Sometimes the good things are hard, but they are essential to our life and growth. And praise God, God is a healing God. If you need his touch today, God is a healing God. Point number one this morning, before we even open God's word and look at this, but point number one, we can't be like Jesus unless we serve one another. We cannot be like Jesus if we don't lay down our life as he has laid down his life for us. Jesus said, before you begin, count the cost, because I'm calling you to lay down your life and take up your cross and come follow me. That was Jesus' call to his disciples, and that's his call for us today. Jesus isn't like being handed a a winning Tatsoto ticket, and it's just, oh, here you go, here's all these wonderful, beautiful things. He says, no, come lay down your life and come follow me. And you will gain eternal life. You will inherit the kingdom of heaven. But we first need to count the cost and lay down our life. We're all different. Praise God. Isn't that wonderful? Have a look around. 
I don't think the world could do with any two of any one of us. Like the, we're all unique and different. We're all we all fulfill a special role in 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 life, and we all like different things. We all do different things, but God has made you unique for a, a purpose and a function within His church. We're all different. We're all called to serve in different ways, but we're all called to follow Jesus in laying down our life. This morning, we're beginning a new series, and the title of my message today is The Servant King. The Servant King, if you want to write that down. The King of, Ki- the King of Kings came to lay down His life for us. Luke 19 verse 10 says, Jesus came to seek and save those who were lost. And uh, you might have noticed the triangles on the back wall there and been thinking like, what's with the triangles? Like, like what's, what's the deal? And in fact, I, I, I'm quite happy for you to text through your answers. Like if you think you have some explanation as to the triangles, you see you've been worshipping this morning and suddenly it's hit you. It's like, oh, the triangles represent this. And you've been encouraged. You can let me know. You can text me and tell me what you think. Uh, you could like Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Um, or, uh, you know, the world wants to be lifted up. But Jesus came and laid down his life. And if we lay down our life, he lifts us up. You can think about it however you want to think about it this morning. The title of my message is The Servant King. He came to seek and save those who were lost. And now he's calling us to come to him, to lay down our life. But then to be empowered by his Holy Spirit. To be his hands and feet in this world. We're going to open our Bibles this morning to John chapter 1. If you've got your Bible there, I encourage you to open up John chapter 1 and verse 1. And it is on the screen there too if you don't have your Bibles there. I encourage you to bring your Bibles to church so you can underline things, circle things. Um, thank you, Lord. John chapter 1 verse 1 says, In the beginning the Word already existed. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Maybe someone needs to underline that today. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who was the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. If you're not sure who it is, his name is Jesus. Just letting you know. Verse 10. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him... And accepted him. He gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the Word became human and He made His home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen His glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Thank you, Lord. I don't know what your understanding of the creation of the world is. I have no problem believing in a God who created all things at the, at the sound of his voice. 
he spoke and worlds came into being. I have no issue in understanding a six-day creation that God speaks and it happens. In fact, I have no issue if God said the world happened and it was made in a day, in a, in a moment. I would have no issue with knowing that an all-powerful God can, can speak and, and bring the universe into being. I find it much easier to have faith in that than, than to think that time and chance and things bumping into each other has created the world that we see. An intricate, complex, amazing and beautiful world where the sun rises and sets just at the right time every day, where the sun is just the right distance away from the earth that we don't get fried and we don't get frozen. Like, it is miraculous. This world is miraculous. I just think about the, the verse we just read a moment ago and just think about it, the, the beauty of the fact that the passionate love of a man and a woman creates new life. Like only God could come up with that. This world is a beautiful, amazing, intricate creation of God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The Word is God. Jesus is the Word made flesh. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they've, they've been God since the beginning. And Jesus came to the world He created to die a sinner's death on a cross for you and me. This is the servant King, the one who came to seek and save those who were lost. Point number two, Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, came to serve us. If that doesn't boggle your mind today, we've missed something. If that doesn't just throw you into a spin of wanting to fall on your knees and say, God, I'm sorry and thank you. We have just slipped in our understanding of God's grace and his mercy. Have a listen to Philippians chapter 2. I love this passage. Philippians chapter 2 verse 5. It's a challenging one, but it's a good one. Philippians 2, verse 5. It says, You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father." You know, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. And on that day when Christ comes again, it's going to be whether we do it in joy and gratitude and thanksgiving and praise or we do it in holy fear and trembling. You know what? Even as I read that passage, I love that passage in Philippians. But you know what? If I'm really honest, sometimes... Honest sometimes, if I'm really honest right now, <laughs> there's, there's, there are moments in my life where I don't want to serve. There's moments in my life where I just get overwhelmed, I get discouraged, 
I think, what's the point? What difference is this going to make? If I sacrifice this time, if I give to this thing, if I do that thing, God, is it really going to make any difference? God, what's the point? Is there, is there any point? I don't want to do this, God. I may have even said that about this sermon this week. <laughs> I've been preparing this, this message in a, in, a, in a roundabout way for almost three months, and I think I rewrote it three times this week. Because you know, I want to speak words of life to you. But sometimes we can get overwhelmed, we can get discouraged, we can get jaded, we can get bitter. I hope it doesn't shock you too much to hear that your pastor goes through that sometimes. I don't think it will. You know, even Jesus in Matthew 26, as, as he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, it said, My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Jesus went through that. Father, if there's any other way, I don't want to do this. Have you ever had a moment like that? Maybe you're going through a moment like that right now. And when we're going through those moments, let's hope they're moments, not seasons. The seasons last longer than the weather, don't they? When we go through those times, I have to remind myself, and I want to encourage you, point number three, look at what Jesus, our Creator God the King of Kings, did for us. When we are going through feelings of, God, I don't want to do this. I, I can't be bothered. This is too hard. I, I, I quit. I give up. I don't want to do this anymore. Look at what Jesus did for you and I. And I mean, look at the world around you. Go for a walk. I, I love getting out on the bike, and I thank God for a wife who encourages me to get out on my bike sometimes, and she knows I need it, and so do I. <laughs> very graciously says, how about you go for a bike ride this afternoon? And, and I get out and I see God's creation and I ride through the bush and it's just, it refreshes me to see the beauty of God's creation. I think, God, you made all of this and yet you care about us. You know me, you love me, you, you love us so much that you came and you gave your life for us. We could be forgiven. And all we have to do is in humility cry out to him and say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Thank you for what you've done for me. You know, just this week I was reading in Revelation chapter 2 and 3. And in so many ways, I think Revelation 2 and 3 is like a, a spiritual health check. And I want to encourage you this week, if you haven't read Revelation recently, have a read through Revelation 2 and 3. I don't have time to read through the whole of the chapters this morning. This afternoon, maybe make a cuppa and just get outside if the rain's still not coming down and uh, just read through Revelation 2 and 3. It's God's warnings to the seven churches, the, the letters to the seven churches. And he encourages them, that he, he, he sees them and he knows us. But also reminds them and warns them that he's coming back. And he's looking for those who are faithful. Point number four, Jesus is coming and he will judge according to what he finds. You know, our salvation is by grace through faith. We do not earn it. We cannot earn it. It's by grace through faith. But is our faith alive? Is our faith truly alive? James says, you, should, you say, here's my faith. I say, I'll show you my deeds because faith without deeds is useless and dead. Is your faith alive today? 
Right at the end of Revelation 3, we read God's invitation that many of us know, and it's probably a verse that many of us have heard. Revelations, uh, Revelation 3, verse 20 to 22. It says, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he's saying to the churches. And to be honest, I think we can hear that verse and actually pull it completely out of context. Because that invitation is there. That invitation is there for all of us to, to hear him standing and knocking at our door, at the door of our hearts to be invited in. And we can kind of like the idea of, hey, at the end, like Jesus is standing at the door and he's going to come in and oh man, we're going to have a party. It's going to be awesome. It's, it's, we're going to have feast. We're going to have food. It's going to be great. We're going to sit on his throne. It's like, wow, this is going to be awesome. And it's almost like a familiarity. It's like, yeah, look, I'm just doing my own thing. But hey, I'm going to push the door open to Jesus later. And we're just going to have a big party and it's all just going to be awesome. It's all going to be great. And we can have a familiarity, a, a complacency in our attitude that is just not right. Because those verses come right after the seven letters. It's right at the end of the seventh letter to the churches. And already he's, he's encouraged them and, and, and challenged them, commanded them to listen to what the Spirit is saying. Listen, he says, repent. In nearly every one of the letters to the seven churches, he says, turn away from what you have done. It says, listen, repent, hold on to the truth. Listen, repent, hold on to the truth and be diligent in what God has given you. And he goes on with this uh, phrase right at the end of uh, the seventh letter. He says, buy, he says, I encourage you, come to me and buy gold. Buy, buy white garments, buy ointment for your eyes. And we don't have time to read it all, but what's he talking about there? He's not saying God's got gold he wants you all to be carrying around bags of gold like you might like that maybe I don't know gold's pretty heavy I've been told mine doesn't weigh much like it's only a little bit there but through the scriptures and through proverbs we see that that, that gold that riches in God's eyes uh, is not physical rubies and, and gold but the wisdom of God is riches the which the, the riches so the wisdom of God is, is the finest gold we could ever have. Proverbs 9 verse 10 says, The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And he says, Come to me, buy gold. Come to me, know wisdom. Come to me, understand who I am. If we have a fear of God that is the beginning of wisdom, it leads to repentance. Because when we recognize who he is and, and it reflects who we are, we come to repentance. And it leads to righteousness. And he gives us his clothes of white. And he, he, he washes us clean. And he gives us his Holy Spirit, the ointment that changes our, our view of the world. Our salvation is by grace through faith. And if we're living in an awareness of God's grace, we will be burning hot for him. One of the challenges of the seven letters, and many of you have heard it, is he said, I, I wish you were either hot or cold. But he says, you are lukewarm. 
and I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Jesus doesn't want a lukewarm church. I've heard it said another word for lukewarm is satisfied. We can be so easily just satisfied in life. We have what we need. We get to come to church once a week. We maybe even go to a life group. We've got what we need. Life's pretty awesome. I've heard it said a, a church of around our size is probably the most comfortable stage of church life you can ever have because you, you kind of know most people. It's, it's, everyone's familiar. It's kind of nice. But Jesus hasn't called us just to be comfortable, complacent, lukewarm Christians. And I'm challenging myself here today too. Are we being stirred by his love? As we open up the word of God day by day, week by week, as we read through the scriptures, do we see, do we understand the amazing, wonderful, good news of the gospel? Have we, are we allowing it to impact our hearts week by week to remember again that God has saved us by his grace? Or have we just got a little bit hard-hearted? Have we just kind of got a little satisfied? Are we being stirred by his love? Are we being stirred by his love to pray for one another, for the lost, for boldness to share the hope we have with the world? Are we being stirred by his love to reach out to those who don't yet know him? Because this message of the gospel is the hope of the world. There is no other way to the Father. There is no other way to be saved than by Jesus Christ. We have been given the gospel. The gospel is the hope of the world. Are we being stirred to share it with those around us? We have been called to serve as the King of Kings has served us. I'm going to come to a close in a moment. I'll ask the band if they want to come. I just want to read from Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20, verse 17, it says this, actually it's up there. As Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the 12 disciples aside privately and told them what was going to happen to him. Listen, he said, we're going up to Jerusalem where the Son of Man will be betrayed to the leading priests and the teachers of religious law. They will sentence him to die. Then they will hand him over to the Romans to be mocked, flogged with a whip and crucified. But on the third day, he will be raised from the dead. The mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus with her sons. She knelt respectfully to ask a favour. I've got to say that word respectfully just hits me every time I read it over the last few weeks. She comes and kneels respectfully. It kind of sounds really religiously. She has a respect for Jesus. But as we hear what she says, I don't know if she's got a humility in her heart. Let's not come to God with a respectfulness, but with a reverie, with a reverent <laughs> awe, and a heart of worship and, 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 and trembling almost before God. She, she knelt respectfully to ask a favor. What is your request, he asked. She replied, in your kingdom, please let my two sons sit in places of honour next to you, one on your right and the other on your left. But Jesus answered by saying to them, you don't know what you are asking. 
Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering that I'm about to drink? Oh, yes, they replied. We are able. Do you hear the pride? Jesus told them, you'll indeed drink from my bitter cup, but I have no right to say who will sit on my right or my left. My Father has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. When the ten other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. But Jesus called them together and said, you know, what the ruler, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people and officials will flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus describes the suffering and the sacrifice that he's about to go through. He calls the disciples together and says, guys, this is what's about to happen. Then we have James and John and their wonderful mother. They come to Jesus and they've just heard about his suffering. And they say, hey, Jesus, just wondering, can we have a little bit of glory and honour? Can we have a little bit of power and prestige? Can we, can we kind of just sit with you on your throne can we be seen with you, Jesus? And like, people will see us and it'll be awesome. It'll be great. Yay. You know, if people look to us, they will be disappointed. But God has called us to be His hands and feet. God has called us to be His church, to point people to Him, to be signposts for His glory. He says, but among you, it will be very different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And I just want to say thank you to you as a church for the way you do serve one another. Uh, I was just, actually it was through worship, I was just, something prompted me to think about the fact that this week I've got a couple of trips, one to Melbourne on Tuesday and I'm heading over to Tassie on Friday. It's a flying trip to Tassie and back and it's part of the new role I shared about last week in the state with the CRC. But I can only serve those churches and those pastors that need support and encouragement right now because there's people in this place that have put their hand up and are serving one another and serving each other as the body. And I want to say thank you that we and you as a church don't say, I want to visit from the pastor because we know that we are the body of Christ. And the role of the pastor, prophet, teacher, evangelist is not to do all the evangelism, not to do all the teaching, it's not to do all the pastoring, it's to inspire and equip the people to do the work that he has called us to do. And when you have someone knock on your door and say, hey, great to see you, it's the church visiting you. And I want to say thank you for the way you do serve, the way you give, and for releasing me to do those things that can encourage and serve other churches. You know, my prayer and my prayer over the last couple of weeks has been, God, enlarge our hearts. God, enlarge our hearts. God, I pray that right now, Lord. God, enlarge our hearts. Help us, Lord, to see your love afresh. Lord, if we have become just familiar with your grace, we feel like, yeah, yeah, we know the gospel. It's great. And we know we've just got a little lukewarm, God. Lord, I just pray that you would refresh us this morning. 
Lord, you would just blow on the coals of our heart. Lord, you would cause that fire of your spirit to rise up within us. Lord, let us become a raging, burning light for you. Let us be a church that is a signpost to you, a signpost to your glory and your, your goodness and your forgiveness and your love. Lord, let us be changed by your love. God, I want to say, I'm sorry. God, we are sorry for those moments when we have not followed you. We have not laid down our life. We have just done what we felt like doing. We've become selfish. We've become self-serving. God, change us by your Spirit. Let us be for your glory. We just thank you, Jesus, that you are the servant king who came to seek and save those who are lost and broken and needed a saviour like us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Just before we come to a close, you know, Sally told me yesterday how many days till Christmas. I said, that's illegal. You can't do that until at least like 65 days to go. I'm like, 365 days? I feel like 300 days, you can't talk about how many days till Christmas. So we've got a deal. It's like 65 days, then you can tell me. Um, but it, it's coming. <laughs> and we've been talking uh, as a facilitator team about what we might do as a church this Christmas. And we know everyone is busy. But you know what? I, I actually, I feel like we should ban the word busy because it actually means nothing. Like we are all busy doing something every moment of every day. Like everyone is busy, whether you're sitting on the couch watching TV, whether you're here at church, whether you're watching church online. You, you, we're all busy doing something every moment of every day. I feel like we should, should just ban the word busy. When someone says, how are you going? What have you been up to? How you been? Don't say the word busy. I challenge you. <laughs> we're aware though that everyone has stuff on. <laughs> And we don't just want to make more events for events' sake. And we've been thinking and praying about how can we as a church reach out to this world that we want to share the hope of the gospel with people this Christmas. So we want to put to you an idea that, um, and we want your feedback that, you know, normally the week before Christmas, on the Sunday before Christmas, we have a, a special Christmas service and we kind of do a few things a little bit differently. We thought, how about this Christmas? Christmas Day is actually on a Sunday. So one week before Christmas, we're thinking, how about we, we have like a special Christmas service and if the weather's as beautiful as it is today, we can head out on the front lawn and we can have like a, a, a big outdoor Christmas gathering and we can invite your friends, your neighbours, the community to come along. We can have some bacon and egg rolls with barbecue sauce. Oh, making me hungry thinking about it. And uh, maybe you want to help cook the barbie. We can have a few songs and, and a, a bit of face painting maybe. Uh, I don't know, we don't want to make it too complicated or too much for anyone, but maybe you've got some idea you want to add to that. Maybe you have rabbits and you want to have a rabbit petting thing for kids to come and pat the rabbits. I don't know. Um, but I wonder, could we do something, not just to have a celebration of Christ here within these four walls, but to say to the community, hey, we want you to come and celebrate with us. You know, we, I know there's heaps of Christmas events on. There's another Christmas uh, Carol's thing I just saw that uh, Mix FM and everyone are putting on at the start of December. But I wonder, would you 
be involved in that. And I encourage you, as Beck's already said about that serving form, we want to hear your feedback about how you feel like you might be able to come along or get involved with that and other things, serving here in the life of CSC. Actually, it's not on the form, but I've got to say, my, my heart is bursting with a passion for us to reach out to our local schools. Um, I've served 14 years in the school as a chaplain, and I've come out of that role, but I'm like, my passion's still there to go to schools and say, hey, we love you guys and we want to we serve you. So pray. <laughs> I think there's something coming. Anyway, we're going to finish with a song this morning. It is right to praise you. I don't know what song we're singing. Are we singing that one? Cool. It is right to praise you. The King of Kings came to serve, to lay down his life for us. And it is right for us to praise him, to lay down our lives and serve him and serve this world around us. Can we stand and let's sing. Thanks, guys.